Hi, this is Lacey from Bourbon House, and you're watching CMS TV. right here on Chris Aiken Presents. And for this episode, I am really happy to be doing this one. I've been loving this band for a long time, even though the rest of you haven't caught on yet for some unknown reason. They write, I will say they write the best concept records that are going today, as well as just non-concept stuff as well, but mostly concept stuff. They have a brand new release, which is a concept called Fear City. And here to talk all about it is Mr. K.K. Foster. K.K., how are you, man? Hello, my friend. How are you today? I am good, man. It's great to talk to you, dude. Loving the record. I'm just going to tell you flat out, I think I've, I've had it a week, and I've played it 20 times. It's just, it's like, your mu- it's like all your music, I think. It's, it's not a one-listen thing, and you can't pull it apart. You kind of have to start at the beginning, you have to invest time, and you have to dig into the story, or you just don't get it. Is that kind of how you see it when you when you write music yes um pr- uh, prior to them um i was writing music for a band called cold steel okay. took a long break to raise a family and have a career to pay my you know my bills on the nine to five level right and uh you know we, we all have to pay our bills right uh but the, my passion is writing and recording and i used to write the way i used to write i used to write single songs where uh, it's one self-contained story, you know, and mm-hmm. they really didn't tie into one another. But now it's like complete albums. And actually, in, in all actuality, when you take all four of our albums and you put them back to back sequentially, it's mm-hmm. one story. Wow. Um, and as we release other albums, it's the continuation of that story. And, and, and honestly, not many people realize that. Uh, and actually, only a handful of people realize that, actually realize that, after the release of our third album by saying, Oh my God, this is actually one story. Right. Yes. It's one story. And there's only a few bands to my knowledge um, that actually have done that throughout their career, whether it be five albums, four albums, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I, I don't remember the band names, but I could look them up probably in five minutes and tell you. Sure. But they're, they're actually, I believe there's two, maybe three that their whole career, their, whatever albums they released, it was one story. And but this is a story where it takes place in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, now we're in the 80s, and there's a good reason for that uh, because the first three albums 
uh, even though it took place in the 1800s, at the end of the third album, K.K. Fosser, the character I portray, mm-hmm. he, he actually dies. Right. And what brings him back is a toxic chemical spill back in 1981. And now he's in a different time period and there's this technology advancement and, you know, all the people that were part of, part of, you know, his, his posse back in the 1800s, they're gone, they're dead. So now he has to find the descendants to help him continue and finish what he set out to do on the first three records, which was to find and destroy his nemesis, Thompson, the Thompson Mm -hmm. bloodline. Right. And that's where he's at on this album. He has to find the descendant of Thompson and kill him and destroy him. But what little does he not know, he doesn't know, he learns that Thompson's uh, great-great-grandson is Minister Thompson, who's a televangelist, and that's his facade. However, he doesn't realize until the very end that he's actually the kingpin of New York. He's an underground crime lord. And that's pretty much where it ends. And he's like in a situation where it's, sayonara it's adios amigos for him so we don't know what will happen what can happen um so that's you know in a nutshell that's how things are all connected sure now i'm curious man do you do you how do you write this do you write it right at first like write the story and then and then convert it to music or do you do you kind of create through music and, and come up with the story as you're creating music? That's actually a very interesting question. No one has ever asked me that. Um, so, okay. So there's two parts to this whole entire um, project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas normally when you write a song, right, there's different ways of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Some people will write the lyrics. They'll write, you know, they'll think of a story, they'll write the lyrics and then apply the lyrics to the music. Sure. I've never done that. I've always had music first. Okay. um, And I've always, you know, thought about, okay, this is the topic I want to write. I would create vocal, um, vocal rhythms or vocal, uh, like I would scat sing Mm -hmm. to over a song, uh, demo it, listen to it, tweak it. So I know what am I singing, speaking, growling, screaming, whatever I'm doing. How does that flow? Then I take the story and write lyrics to fit the vocal, rhythmic, syncopated sure. uh, passages, right? And that's how I've always done it. Now, with this is a little different, okay, because there's a lot of thought that has to go into this. Sure. Originally, when I wrote the first album, Sweet Hollow, because I write all the lyrics, I write all the, you know, the theme, the concept, the, the logo design, the, the artwork, I have involvement with all that, sure. you know, that. I, mean, I might not draw the artwork, but I tell the artist what to do. Right, right, right. Uh, I might not do the graphic art, but I, you know, like I give them a guide and they mm-hmm. create from that. But with this project, you know, you have, there's a lot to think about. It's like, what's going to happen possibly two albums away, considering this is a project that spans, it's one story that spans across whatever albums you release. Sure. What hap- what's going to happen on a sixth album or a seventh album? And is there tie-ins to the first? I love horror stories. I love, you know, like thrillers and horror and um, obviously, and I like how stories have twists. I like how there's cliffhangers. I like how they, you know, how they segue into another segment Sure. And that brings back elements from a previous record that's cohesive, that makes sense. And you know what? 
this is, is everything in this story is kind of far-fetched, right? So, <laughs> but there's always some things that are, that are constant and that there's the, each album, if you think about it, um, the title of each album is a place, okay? Mm-hmm. okay? Sweet Hollow is a real place on Long Island, okay? Right. On Sweet Hollow Road on Long Island, there's a cemetery called um, Melville Cemetery. Okay. But locals call it Sweet Hollow. It exists, there's okay. so, there's song there's songs on the first album that that pertain to that whole area Mount Misery that is a real area, so I take f- real places and I add fictional elements, uh, fictitious uh, events, and you know I, I create from that. When you go forward, Manor of the Seven Gables is House of the Seven Gables in Salem. Okay, uh, it's even the place is even referred to as in Salem. Uh, the third album is Return to Hemismore. Hemismore is, you know, it's like a little town a- outside of Austria. And, you know, there was a book written about it. And, you know, there's a whole fictitious story right. that went with that. I just loved I loved the title. Uh, I loved, um, you know, the, the word Hemismore. And uh, sure. that tied into that. Fear City is actually one of New York City's many names that uh, it was penned. Back in the late 70s, early mm-hmm. 80s, uh, Fear City, uh, uh, you know, New York, most people know it as the city that never sleeps, the Big sure. Apple, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. There's so many names. But Fear City uh, was, uh, New York was penned Fear City, New York City, because NYPD uh, put out a bulletin back in late 70s, and it was a bulletin that said, welcome to Fear City. Okay. And it had a Grim Reaper on it. And it was the do's and don'ts in New York City after dark. What do you do? What you don't do? How do you live? <laughs> this was this went right. out to tourists. So it was a very grim and dark time for New York. I remember it as a kid. Sure. Um, it was really gross and dirty and gritty and graffiti and drugs and prostitution was all over and it was rampant. And that was a great backdrop for, you know, for this album. Um, and everything is, I tried to make sure that all the elements were, you know, were, were accurate and correct. Even, even the twin towers, which you don't really see in this, uh, the picture that you have displayed there, mm. uh, but the twin towers exist, existed. So therefore they had to be there. Sure. Uh, we've got, I've gotten a little flack from that, but I, I don't care because right. they existed in 81. They existed. Right. So they, therefore I'm not just going to simply not have them there. They have to be there. Sure. So in the art, so that is the whole, the whole point. Um, I try to go, I try to keep uh, with certain, you know, with the real elements, I try to keep it, you know, like accurate. Mm-hmm. And then the story is wherever it's going to take KK Fosser. Sure. So no question. It goes. No question. Yep. Well, dude, in today's world, man, it is so hard to get people to listen for more than a minute, let alone, concept you know let alone an hour and try and figure things out what do you think it is about your music that'll keep them listening and trying to grasp the concept well i think them overall has something for everyone i mean we have some songs uh it's so funny because a lot of the time the label we will have like one song like is a kind of like a more like a commercial song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, then it could be a song that's sound. The music is like death metal, you know, or mm-hmm. with blast beats and, and, and some, you know, really aggressive music and right. there could be aggressive songs. And people don't get that when they listen to retro 54, which is a very, 
you know, it's like a, it's like a, a, a dark Van Halen ish type of song, you know, sure. uh, or, you know, but, but my point is we have this mixture of music, which dynamically it could keep ma- many listeners of dissimilar subgenres of metal interested in my right. opinion. And people that don't even like heavy metal might listen to and enjoy some of our music. Um, that I like the diversity. I like the dynamics. And I think, you know, first of all, what a project, no matter what it is, whether it's conceptual or not, it's music is always number one. It's right. always number one concept theme, number two. Okay. But music is always number one. And, you know, if we played the same song, track after track after track yeah oh wow they're brutal or oh wow yeah. they're thrashy or oh mm-hmm. wow you know they're you know commercial band or whatever it, it's the same you know so we always like the diversity and people especially with my vocals people have said oh wow they, they're not doing you know he's not singing like king diamond well mm-hmm. there was more the first record was more of a homage at the time and it was more of like a transitional record even though it was our debut um, and it did very well for us. And don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I love singing like that too, but there's other aspects of my style. I have uh, a very diverse style. Right. I mean, I don't even consider myself a singer. I consider myself a vocalist because okay. I do a lot of different uh, vocal, you know, vocalizing. Um, and as far as, you know, uh, what we do, um, a lot of people will also say that I, you know, oh, he uses octave effects. He's using harmonizers. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Uh, in the studio and live, live, it's just me. But in the studio, I layer like 30 to 40 vocal tracks. Wow. And when it's layered and mixed a certain way, that's the effect you're getting. But it's sure. all me. It's not, mm-hmm. oh, Troy's going through a harmonizer or right. Troy's going through an octave effect. No, it's I'm recording double to quadruple tracks of each harmony when there are harmonies, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that overall the story is, is there like me and some of the other guys in the group, we have, we're from the same school, like the same old school where, where, you know, you want to pick up an album, a vinyl album, sure. Open it up, smell it, touch it, feel it, look at the lyrics, look at the art, it's a full art piece, um, visually and audio wise. It's just art and you appreciate it as a whole. That's what we try to achieve. Um, especially if you, you know, it's the people buy the vinyl, right? You can't really get that so much from a CD or, you know, a digital stream, right? You can't get that at all. True. But, but, you know, seeing it, touching it, feeling it. So you're right. Chris, you know, a lot of people, you can't, they can't even listen to five seconds. They listen to five seconds. Oh, they're a ghost rip off. Oh, mm-hmm. they listen to five seconds. Oh, they're King Diamond ripoff. Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> you know, like we never try to disrespect the bands, but we're not. We don't sound anything like Ghost. No. And, and you know what? There are some, sometimes like I sing a little bit like King, but, you know, not often, you know, more so on the first album. Yeah, I, I admit that. Yeah. But I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to replace them. I'm not trying to, you know, no. um, you're, you're singing to fit the music, and, and, and I mean, there are, there are definitely parts that sound like King Diamond.
especially there's a there's a few parts that are immediately you'll perk up and be like whoa that's 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 king diamond dish but it's not king diamond to me it's not king diamond ripoff ish you know it it just it it kind of fits the the story you're telling which i think is is probably the most ignored part of your band is that i i think because of the king diamond reference that you guys have always had People yeah. look for that instead of looking at the. It would have been better for you if you were compared to I don't know Wasp or Queensrÿche, you know, bands that have written you know some of the great concept records of all time, because then people would at least approach you understanding what you do. Right, you're right, Chris. They they don't understand it's a concept, mm-hmm. and that's Certainly. that's where they fall short. So just simply write us off that quickly, and but you know what, it, it happens and. You know, now lately it's it's we're ghost clones. Like that's right. like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> right. like the King Diamond references, I get it, and especially we were a, tri- a King Diamond tribute back in you know like 2008, and mm-hmm. then we morphed into an original band that was just thrashier and heavier um, with our own concept. And so, yeah, there are some you know some similarities similarities that people may try to connect the dots, and you know what they would I would agree, you know, but to say that we're ghost clones or ghost ripoffs right now a lot of i think a lot of that stems from just the simple fact that my character kk you know he has a, a facial prosthetic mm-hmm. it's actually even just half the face right um it's not a full you know not a full prosthetic um so that's number one and number two you know okay the singer it, you know has one look and everybody else has more of a uniform look mm-hmm. but notice they don't wear masks right and they don't wear masks because me personally, I didn't want them to wear masks. Right. I want the crowd, when we play, when we perform live, a crowd connects. Now, I understand Ghost is huge and they're, they're this huge band and I appreciate them and their art. But I never thought that for, for a band that I was part of, I never wanted anyone to hide their face. I could have put a whole facial, a whole mask or prosthetic for KK. Sure. I want the crowd to be able to connect with the band members when they're performing visually. Right. And you do that by making eye contact and facial expressions tell so much when a band is performing live. You mm-hmm. don't get that when you cover your whole face. Right. And uh, yes, there's a, mis- a mysterious aspect and people, you know, they go crazy over that too. But uh, me personally, I-, I think that you connect with a band, You've, the energy transfers between the band and the crowd by being able to connect with them visually sure. and it's hard to do that when you ha- when you cover yourself up oh you're right so the biggest thing with our logo um it's cut in a similar fashion to ghost's logo mm-hmm. but I-, I assure you chris as well as uh, anybody else that is right. going to be uh you know uh experiencing this interview that sure. no way that that was even remotely right. Uh, a, a copy. Uh, I had this logo copywritten before Ghost was even a thing. You know, sure. they were just just releasing. They were just releasing their album, mm-hmm. their first album, when this this logo was created and, and copywritten. So, okay. uh, 
you know, the not the word, but the actual design was copied. Sure. And so it's Absolutely. like, no, it's we didn't copy ghosts, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> right. they didn't copy us. So right. it just happened to be drawn in a similar way sure. that if you look at the logos, they 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 cut similar, like some right. of the, the letters. And I get it, I totally get it, but in reality, that is not that the case. Sure. Well, dude, let's let's dig into some of the music a little bit. Sure. Um, one of the tunes that really jumped out at me, not that, and I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm going to say this again. I'm saying it with the most respect I can. Nothing jumped out at me because it's really not that kind of a release to me. To me, it's not the kind of a record that you listen to and say, well, that's the track or that's the, you know, to me, it really is a start at the beginning, listen through it, understand the story. But the one song that I guess jumped out only because it it was a little bit different than anything that I think that you've done was House of Sin, which has that kind of black metal tinge to it. You know, um, what led you to incorporate that influence, which to me was surprising considering that I've heard the rest of your catalog. So um, that, that is actually the brainchild of Marcus Ulrich, also known as Ole. He's the German guitar player. Sure. Um, He wrote, this album, he wrote uh, all the songs except for The Crossing of Hellgate Bridge. So that one was written by Marcus Johansson. That's the nine-minute-plus epic right. that we call. Uh, I call it, uh, you know, uh, Gateway to Hell because it was, it was very interesting to record that track. Sure. Um, Marcus Johansson also wrote all the interludes uh, that are on that album. Um, you know, all the music that was used for the uh, three uh, interludes minus the uh, intro that was also written by Marcus Ulrich. Uh, Marcus Ulrich uh, with, uh, you know, the, the, the Consecrated House of Sin, uh, he just comes up with some just pretty interesting music, um, sometimes uh, real brutal stuff, sometimes, um, you know, it could be commercial. I mean, he was the guitarist of Landfear, uh, which right. was a prog, you know, prog sure. metal, German prog metal band. So his his styles are very uh, diverse, uh, but his roots are thrash metal, okay. such as mine sure. and Marcus Johansson. We're we're thrash heads, you know. We're true mm-hmm. to thrash. That's where our roots came from. Sure. So for him to write something like this, I found it very interesting. Um, you know, very you know, like period. You know, you have some blast beating going on in some of the songs. Uh, that one, you know, as well. Um, uh, more so on Death on the Downtown Metro. There's sure. quite a bit of blasting on that. But the point is, he never fails to, um, you know, the, like he, he he's always like he he he'll just give me something out of left field, and this was out of left field. Right. I found it very interesting. I fell in love with it immediately, and I just decided to sing. You know, like, like put it this way, Chris, when, when I'm writing songs, I'm telling you, most of the time, I already have like a basic melody within mm-hmm. minutes when okay. I hear the music. Music's playing, it just I start humming something. I even have stuff on my phone, like I'll record like a, on a voice recorder if I'm out and about, and sure. I come up with something great, I'll record it so I can play it back. And, you know, mm-hmm. this might be, it might be a little different later. But I have to tell you, I was really impressed. It's very funny that you mentioned this particular song. I was blown away by it because it just, the flow, it was, like you said, it was kind of like, had like a death metal tinge to it. Yeah. 
but it, it just, it flowed very well. And I was really impressed, um, you know, for, with, uh, Ule, uh, on that one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that song, um, basically, uh, the, the location, each one of these songs is pretty much a location in New York city during right. KK and Ronaldo's travels to find and locate minister Thompson. And, um, this was minister Thompson's lair. The consecrated house of sin was the limelight, uh, which was a church and became a it became a uh, um, uh, a club back okay. in the uh, early eighties, and so his lair was actually in the basement of this this the, the consecrated house, sure. but it's of sin because of what he does in the basement, right? And uh, what and he you know he manages he's the kingpin of New York. His facade is a televangelist, right? Uh, Thompson, Minister Thompson. Mm-hmm. And he's the direct descendant of Peter Thompson, who was KK's nemesis, right. who destroyed his family back on the first album. Right. So that's where he, they go into the lair, they go into the belly of the beast to confront, you know, and, and, and catch Minister Thompson off guard so KK can destroy him. And KK uh, is, is taken off guard because Thompson was ready for him. Right. So that's pretty much where it ends. Sure. Now, <laughs> now, um, try, I got to ask you, man, you know, obviously you want to tour and obviously you want to play shows. <laughs> and at the same time, I can't even imagine how you could weave together a show with so much music into one singular concept. Do you, when you play shows, when you go out and tour, do you play shows to, keep it the individual concept of a record or or do you try and pick and choose to tell the story somewhat based on like two songs here three songs here one here and four from the new one or something to that effect that can kind of tell almost like a cliff notes version of your career yeah that's that's a good question so chris the first round of shows Mm -hmm. uh we actually did a tour uh two tours in europe uh, for the first record. And that was easy because we just thematically, we, you know, it was the whole story and we took elements of uh, the story and we, in, inter, you know, we injected it into the performance. So we had actors and actresses. Uh, second one was not as difficult, uh, not as easy as that because now you have two albums. Now we have four albums. Mm-hmm. Third album was released during the pandemic and we couldn't play any shows. This one from what I understand, um, they're looking to book a tour next year. Okay. However, however, this is the however, there are tours that are still being canceled in Europe. Right. So they're, they're um, you know, the people that are involved with us, they're a little gun shy because half of us are from the U.S., half of us are German. It's not like we're all German, you know, or, or we're all on that continent. We're mm-hmm. on a different continent. So we have to book eight months in advance and we can't, there's no such thing as, Oh, we can't do the show. We can't do the tour. We're not, right. you know, there's no canceling a tour. Um, maybe, you know, like a band like Anthrax, who just recently canceled a good part of the a certain yeah, leg of European. their European yeah. tour. Yeah. So uh, that's different, but for us, we're not going to book everything. You have so much money invested mm-hmm. and time and the time. So we're waiting patiently like a panther in a high grass waiting to pounce <laughs> on its prey. Right. Believe me, we want to play. And when we do, it's going to be the latter of what you said, which is okay. it's going to be, you know, two, a few songs here, a few songs there, a few songs there to, you know, to stitch out, uh, sure. what, you know, what goes on thematically. Um, we have over 40 songs now 
right. that spans across four albums. So I think I'm pretty sure the next time our label wants us to go out as a direct support for a, a large band, okay. uh, they, that's what they want us to do our next outing. Uh, whether we play festival or not, that's remains to be seen. But uh, if we do go out as direct support, it's going to be very, diff- really difficult, more than likely, because we're going to only be able to play like six songs. Right. Uh, but if we do a headline show, at least we'll have a little bit more flexibility in, in structuring a show where it would make more sense. And sure. that's not to say that we would never consider doing a multi-day event, a multi-festival event where we could play one album on each day or wow. half a, like two albums on one, like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. structure it where we could do the whole show. Sure. Um, we would consider, we would definitely consider doing that. We would love to do that. And um, that's something also that we could do for, you know, a festival, you know, down the road, which uh, once people actually understand. And I think there has to be some kind of like downtime where people can grasp all the records mm-hmm. truly understand. And then, you know, you come back and, Oh wow. They're going to be playing the first, you know, a three night show where two albums, two albums, two albums or something like right. that uh, sure. across each night. They do one or two albums and, or just key songs off of each album. Right. You know, and that would be really interesting because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any bands have done something yeah, like that. Do you? I- the only one I can think of is Queensryche when they did Queensryche, Operation yeah. One and Two, and I guess right. I guess Wasp as well when they toured Neon well, Gods One and Two. That's that's true. That's true. You know, but, but there's not many. There's not many. No, right? there's, there's not, not. Other than that, there's not. Man, you're you're absolutely right. But to do well, it right, you need probably like multiple day multiple yeah. day event. You know, you you certainly do, man. So, dude, uh, last question, kind of wrap this one up. Um, what is more important to you as the artist? You know, and I'm, I'm specifically targeting both the art and the business. Is it more important for you that people just enjoy the music but don't get it? Or is it more important to you that they understand the concept and form their opinion of if they enjoy it or not based solely on the concept? Hmm. Interesting. Um, if you, okay, so if, if we had Ula here, Okay, mm-hmm. and you ask him that question, he would say the music. It always, it's because remember, music is always number one. Sure. Me, I'm torn mm-hmm. because I put so much time and effort into the theme, into the concept. The 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 one part of Troy would say that they get it, you know, that they mm-hmm. understand you know, the, the the person who's you know uh, you know taking the journey. They understand what's going on. They get it. Oh my God. It's, you know, that's to me, that's like success. Right. Sure. But I'm going to have to lean towards the other part of me, which let's revisit option one, which is music is number (laughs) one. (laughs) Music is first. So they have to enjoy the music that is successful in itself. If they get what's going on, that's the bonus plan. Right. That's the cherry on the cake when they get it. And I'm telling you, Chris, it took, you know, we had two albums back to back. Nobody got it. Nobody understood mm-hmm. that it was a continuation. Nobody. And, and that, sure. that's fine. A few people on the third album, they said, oh, my goodness, this is one story. I, I smiled. Right. I smiled. They're mm-hmm. getting it. Sure. You know how much they get? I don't know. But that's like, a, you know, that's, that's a cherry. That's a bonus. Mm-hmm. But most importantly is the music. As long as 
there's I again there's something that everyone can can connect with musically on this record. And on this particular record, if you uh, if you listen to all of them, this particular one has more there's more keys. And it's funny because more keyboards. Uh, keyboards mm-hmm. are a little bit more prominent on this record than the other. Sure. The other albums, they're more. It's more uh, subdued. It's more background. It's more atmospheric. Uh, but in this album, I mean, we even have a, a keytar solo. You know, there's a keytar right. solo. <laughs> Nice. If we want to call it guitar, it's keyboard solo, mm-hmm. but that's in the song Graffiti Park. Right now, if you, the reason being, this is in the eighties. What was prominent in the eighties? Yeah, yeah. Keyboards. You know, that's like a keys, big, right. yeah, a lot of keys. Uh, maybe not so much for for metal, but this isn't about. This isn't just about metal. This is about a time period. Mm-hmm. So we we thought, hey, look, you know what? Let's let's you know like have Richie, who's our keyboardist, you know, let him let him shine. You know, he, he deserves it. He he's a fantastic keyboardist. Uh, he's just if you listen to that solo, one of the and it's funny because we we've, we've done a documentary that's broken up into four parts that's on right. YouTube. But like on one of them, I'm talking about like one of my favorite parts of the album is the keyboard solo in Graffiti Park. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal solo. And I don't care if it's played by a guitar or a keyboard. And that's coming from someone who years ago, I would never even think about Fathom in my life that I would want to be in a band playing with, with a keyboardist. Right. Because I'm, I'm from the thrash vein and it's, there's no such thing as keys and thrash, you know, there's no such thing in my mind. Right. <laughs> but, but you know what, in my older age, I've softened a little bit in the sense where, you know what, the keys can enhance what's going on with mm-hmm. the guitars and our guitars are pretty heavy, yeah. um, you know, and we have pretty heavy rhythms going on. And I appreciate Richie's involvement because it helps define what them is right. without him. Them wouldn't be them. It would it would be something different, and so I embrace whatever he does now. Certainly, man. Well, well, dude. Um, obviously, the new record it is called Fear City. It is the band them. Uh, go buy it. Do not just stream it, people. Please buy it, buy it, buy it. It's these guys especially put a lot of time and effort into the physical product and the look and everything. So make sure that you are actually purchasing it. And um, I figure we'll we'll wrap this one up with probably the most access, uh, accessible track to the record, which is Retro 54. You've got a cool video out there for it. So, um, Troy, man, it, it's been great talking to you. And, um, dude, thanks so much for joining me here on Chris Aiken Presents. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out to, uh, to join me today. Thanks a lot. Appreciate sure. it.
Hey everybody, it's Chris Aiken from all the shows and wanted to share with you one of my other passions other than music. That, of course, being coffee. Anybody that's listened to me knows that I love coffee. And I have found another great brand, ladies and gentlemen, that you guys need to check out. Simply named, no gimmicks to it at all. It's just coffee brand coffee. It's fantastic coffee. And I am not kidding you. They have everything that you would possibly want. Their coffee is excellent. I like the roaster's choice, but they have the pumpkin spice and all that other stuff, all the flavored stuff that you might like. Uh, they've got K-Cups for you. They've got cold brews. They offer tea. They've got cocoa. They literally have everything that you would want. So if you're looking for a great coffee, if you don't want to just settle for the crap that they sell you at the grocery store, this is another fine alternative. Coffee brand coffee. Just go to www.bit.ly slash CMS coffee. One more time, bit.ly slash CMS coffee and use the coupon code CMSPN to save a little bit of money and you can get some of the best coffee that is available today. So one more time, it is coffee brand coffee. We love it here at the Classic Metal Show and you will too. So get some today, folks. Coffee brand coffee. 